much. All right. And Mallory, thank you for being a good sport. So, <laughs> well, good morning, Living Stones. It is great to be with you guys today, uh, enjoying uh, just doing this series, being able to be with you and worshiping with all of you this morning. Um, I do want to say, if you are with us for the very first time today, we want to say a very warm welcome to all of you and are so grateful that you are here with us today. Um, pray that uh, this is just an encouraging time for you. If there's anything you need, you just ask any of us. It would be our pleasure to serve you in any way that we can. Oh, one thing, if you are here with us for the first time, if you would do us a big favor and pull out your cell phone and just text the word hello to 574-633-1574, it's a way for us just to give you a little bit more information about who we are, and we can also get to know you a little bit better uh, as well. Just follow the prompts on there. It would uh, just mean an awful lot to us. So I have one announcement I want to share before we get into our message this morning is this past Tuesday, we began our Inside Out Tuesdays, and it was a ton of fun this past week. We had a, a great group of kids here that were participating in all the kids' activities that we had out there, and we had almost 60 adults that were in the room as, as we were just learning about just some of the local resources and all that that we have just to improve and grow in our own mental and emotional health. Um, I want you to know, it is not too late to join in and be a part of our Inside Out Tuesday. So if you weren't here this past Tuesday, that's all right. Make sure that you come on out. You can bring the kids. Um, it, you can come by yourself. I mean, it's not just for parents. It's really for anybody. And so it would do us uh, a huge favor if you can go to livingstones.events slash register and just let us know that you are going to be coming. Um, that way we can make sure we have enough materials and everything ready for everybody that is here. Um, this coming Tuesday, Jeremiah Wright is going to be joining us. He is from uh, Wright Directions Counseling. He owns his own counseling place right uh, in downtown, excuse me, in downtown South Bend. And he's going to be talking about just handling stress and anxiety. And man, I tell you, like, I need to hear all about that. I'm sure most of you do as well. And so it's going to be a great time. So make sure you come out, be a part of our Inside Out Tuesdays. And then throughout the month of June, we are going to be doing these hybrid services where the kids are going to be joining us for worship. We'll have some kind of fun creative element before they are dismissed to their classrooms as well. And so all of our Inside Out information is at livingstones.events slash inside out. So make sure you check that out. You can get all the information you need about the next couple weeks. Um, make sure that you come on out and, and uh, plan on joining us. It's going to be a great time. So we are going to uh, take up and receive our morning tithes and offerings right now. Um, and so we're going to pray over that. I just want to tell you, just thank you for continuing to be faithful and generous in your giving. I was reading actually this morning, Second Corinthians, Paul says, that one of the things he loves is a cheerful, that God loves a cheerful giver, and that when we are giving cheerfully and generously, Lord, that we are pleasing, that we are pleasing God. And I just want to tell you thank you for that. There's multiple different ways that you can give here. You can give right here in the room. There's um, offering envelopes in the seat back in front of you, as well as in your bulletin. Um, you can give online. Uh, you can give through the app, uh, all different kinds of ways. So uh, if you would just bow your heads, let me pray over our offering and our service, and then we will get into our message today. So, Lord, we just thank you, God, so much for meeting here with us today. God, we thank you that, that you, are, you are present, Lord, with us in this room. And God, we are, are so thankful for your provision, for the way that you provide and take good care of us, Lord. 
God, I, I pray, Father, that you're going to use this offering to impact and make a difference in the lives of people right here in our neighborhood, right in our community, Lord. Uh, Father, we just pray that you would just have your way in the remainder of the service, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to hear from you today. Lord, I, that it would not be my words that are spoken, but God, it would be what you want said today. So, Lord, we just give this time to you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, obviously, we are continuing our Inside Out series where we're talking just about our own mental and emotional health, that, that we talked last Sunday about how we are, God made us physical beings, we have our physical bodies. We are spiritual beings, He created us to be in relationship with Him, but we are also emotional beings, that God created us in His image with, with feelings and emotions, and, 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 and so we've been using the, the movie Inside Out as kind of a jumping off point for beginning our talks and our conversations about, about mental and emotional health. Now, I, I hope that most of you have, have seen the movie so far, but honestly, anger in the movie is probably my favorite character. Uh, he, he, he just, he, he cracks me. I mean, my son says I'm just like him, apparently. Um, but but what, what's great about What's great about anger is, like, he, he really tries to keep his cool. He, he tries to keep his cool, but it's so hard when so much feels so unfair in Riley's life. Like, he's quick to overreact, which makes him make bad decisions. He makes rude remarks to others. And, like, he, anger wants what he wants, and he wants it right now. And he, doesn't, he does not want to wait. And, and I think anger makes us laugh a lot because we can see ourselves in his character. Like we've all had times where we've flown off the handle where something didn't seem right, something we were mistreated, there, there was some, something didn't seem fair, and we just kind of blew up and we, we went off the handle. And, and as I was thinking about this message throughout the week, I, I turned 41 next, next month. And as I look around, just over the, the course of this past year, this, I, have, I have to say this feels like the angriest time in my lifetime. Not necessarily like for me, but just like when we look around and see what's going on with people. We see the way people are interacting with others. This feels like the angriest time that, that I, can, I can recall. You know, and, and not, you know, I, there might even be some of you that are angry in the room right now. Like you went and stopped to, to get a, a coffee on your way in, and somebody goofed up your coffee order, and it just like, oh, just made you angry, made you upset. And I, I mean, or, or if you've spent even 20 seconds online on Facebook or Twitter, like you're guaranteed to find and to see anger just constantly all around us. And, and not just disagreements, not just differences of opinion, but like actual anger and, and dare I say, even rage that one peop people are having towards one another. Look, I, I feel like something has snapped in, in an awful lot of people where I, I know people that used to be calm and level-headed and, and just caring are now just spot spouting vitriol constantly. And it doesn't help that cable news and social media and talk radio, like, it, it just perpetuates the anger. It feeds it, that, that you are being mistreated, things are being done to you or taken away from you, and, and it just kind of perpetuates this cycle that we're in that people thrive on stoking anger. Like there's, there's whole industries 
that are just meant to try to keep people angry, keep people upset. Pastor Ed Stetzer, he wrote a book um, maybe about two years ago, and it's titled Christians in the Age of Outrage, How to Bring Our Best When the World is at Its Worst. And it's a, it's a great book, and it's talking about this exact thing, like when it seems like the world has lost its mind, the world has gone mad, how do we as believers respond? How do we react in a Christ-like way, in a, in a way that, that honors and glorifies God? And, and in this, this year that feels like we're in this constant, never-ending cage match, pitting people against one another, like some of the most like, tame, innocuous things end up causing these humongous fights, these huge stirs. I, I'm, a, I'm a part of a, a, a Facebook hiking group, and there was a, a couple, this is maybe about two weeks ago, they posted a selfie, that her and her husband, they posted a selfie and were just saying how excited they were that they were going to be hitting the trail in just a few hours. And they, they took the, the selfie at an airport, so in the, in the picture, the couple are both wearing masks in the picture. And, and, and they were just, you know, they were just really excited about it and, and just literally posting this just very tame, innocuous post well, like World War III erupted in the comments. Like, I mean, it, it got so ugly about people commenting about wearing masks and not wearing masks and all this, that after 115 comments later, the administrators, uh, the moderators of the group finally had to disable the comments on the post because it got so ugly. Like, like think about where we are as a society right now. That, that a couple posting a picture, a selfie, saying, oh, we can't wait, we're so excited to be hitting the trail in just a few hours, that it has to be shut down because people are so responding so angrily and so violently towards one another. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy, the world we're in right now. Like, obviously, last year we went through an election, and all of the, all of the, the feelings and everything that that, that brings up and seemingly like everything has been made political today, you know, from, from anger over police brutality and, and rightful anger, absolutely. But then there's the, all right, are you for Black Lives Matter or are you for the cops? You know, there's anger over whether to wear a mask or to not wear a mask. Should we have reopened schools or should we have continued doing e-learning? Stimulus spending, you know, unemployment, but like everything is just this like death match that we are in constantly. And even, even this message today, I, I suppose this message today even has the potential to make people angry. I, I, I hope not. But we're always tempted to see things and to hear things through our own filter. And if we don't like what's being said, we don't like what we're hearing, how often do we respond in a way that's not very honoring to God at all? And so I promise you, like in, in this message today, I don't have an agenda other than I want to share with you and speak about a very relevant subject from a spiritual perspective. How do we handle anger? How do we be angry in a way that honors others and honors God? Honors others and honors God. And so to kind of start this today, a question that's often asked when, when talking about anger is, well, is anger a sin? If I get angry, then does God get angry with me? And, and Scripture is, is very clear about this, that no, anger is not a sin. 
Now, anger can quickly lead to destructive, sinful behavior. But the emotion, the feeling of anger in and of itself is not, on its own, sinful. Like, I I think we can all agree there is a lot of angry sinning that's going on right now, but Scripture is very clear that anger itself is not a sin. Ephesians 4, 26, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, in your anger, do not sin. Like, what Paul is saying is, all right, there's going to be times that you get angry, and that's all right, but in your anger, don't let it grow, don't let it become to go to a place where you start to sin. He says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Like Paul's saying, yeah, there's going to be times you get angry. If Paul was here today, he'd say, yeah, there's plenty of times I got angry. But in your anger, do not sin. And and then he goes a step further saying, and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't let bitterness take root in your heart. Deal with it. Process through it. Don't let it become an issue because what you're going to do is you're going to give the devil a foothold. It's kind of like giving, you know, letting, letting Satan put his foot in the door. You're giving him access into your life when we start doing that. I mean, it could be why there's so many broken relationships that we see right now that, that I'm sure all of us, we have moments, things we look back and regret that we've done in anger, that we've said in anger, that we wish we could undo. We wish we could take that back. And Paul says, in your anger, when those moments do come, and they will come, do not sin. And and this is something that's so key because if we're not careful, like our unrighteous anger can actually compromise our witness before others. The way that we handle our anger, if, if we're not handling it in the right way, it damages the way other people view us, the way that they view Christ. Like, if, if our anger leads you to sinful behavior, it can end up compromising our ability to make a difference on the things that we love and that we care about the most. Like, you, you've probably heard me say this before, but you can be right about something that you believe in, but if you handle it wrong, you're wrong even if you're right. Like you, you can be right. You can be on the right side of an issue. But if you handle it wrong, you're still wrong. Even if you're right. And so Jesus is our guide. He is our example. He's the one that, that we are shaping and forming our lives after. He's the one that we want to keep at the center of all that we do and all of who we are. And so when we, when we look this morning, I want, us to, I want us to examine what does it look like to be angry like Jesus? What's it look like for us to be angry like Jesus? And, and so we're going to look in Matthew's gospel, and, and just to kind of give you a little bit of context of, of where this passage is that we're going to be reading from, it actually takes place during the Passover festival, the Passover feast. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole sign- significance of what Passover, this Passover celebration is, but just so you know, like, Passover is one of the biggest deals in the Jewish calendar. And, and during this, this time, Jews throughout the, because this is when Jesus was, was walking the earth, during this time, Jews from all over the Roman Empire would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. The, the first century Jewish uh, historian, Josephus, he, he estimated that typically 
in Jerusalem, there was about 40,000 people that lived in and around Jerusalem. But during the Passover feast, he estimated there, were, there was close to about a quarter million people that wouldn't all of a sudden be in Jerusalem. Like pilgrims from all around came to be a part of the Passover feast, to, to worship and to offer sacrifices to God at the temple. And during the, the Passover celebration, this is right before Jesus was about to be crucified, the, the perfect, the sinless Son of God gets angry. He gets angry and he gets upset. He walks into the temple, into the temple to pray. He walks into the temple to offer sacrifices. And what he sees breaks his heart. And he, and he gets righteously angry. He saw greed and hypocrisy. He saw abuse and misuse of his father's house. And he did something that was completely out of the ordinary for him. He got righteously angry. He, he wasn't, it wasn't sinful angry. He got righteously angry. And he decided he was going to do something about it. And so in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And, and then Matthew gives us this odd little sentence that seems completely out of place for what just took place in, in here. And he says, then the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. Like the, this, this strange sentence almost feels like Matthew's taking two separate stories and, and piecing them together. And we're going to come back to this final sentence in just a few moments here. Now, I, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but as, as a pastor, I, I kind of wish that this detail was left out of Jesus' life. That when the four gospel writers got together and, and they were, I, I wish that they had kind of gotten together and said, all right, that part about Jesus flipping over the tables and making a whip, let's just leave that out of the narrative. And I kind of wish that because there's an awful lot of angry Christians that use this story as justification for being harsh and critical and cruel and unloving. Like I've seen an awful lot of it, especially this past year. Well, I'm just being like Jesus. I'm just turning over the tables. And people have used this story, this narrative, as a justification for mistreating others. And, and they're completely missing the point of this story. You know, I, to the point, and I'm, if you can put that meme, there's actually a, a meme that I came across. I don't know if you guys have seen this. If anybody ever asks you, what would Jesus do? Just remind them that flipping over tables and chasing people with a whip is within the realm of possibility. Like, I mean, we can get a little bit of a chuckle out of that. But there's people that have taken that to heart. And I believe it breaks and grieves the heart of God. You know, because Jesus' life was not characterized by his anger. His life was characterized by love. It's not like Matthew said, oh, this is the fourth table Jesus flipped over this week. You know, and, and man, you should have seen the Pharisee that mouthed off to him and what Jesus did. Like, that's, th those details are never included. Because when we think about Jesus, we think about his love and his grace and his compassion. If the first thing you're thinking about when you think about Jesus is him flipping over tables and making a whip, 
Like, I, you're missing the plot of the story. That's, that's not who he is. And so my, my goal this morning isn't to inspire you to go home and flip over the kitchen table and tell your spouse, you know, that, that'll teach you to criticize my driving. You know, like, because I've never done that. I promise. No, seriously, I haven't. But, but how, do we, how do we become angry? How do we become angry like Jesus and do it in a way that doesn't, that doesn't damage relationship with others, that doesn't discredit our witness? How do we become angry in a way that does not dishonor God? To be angry, but not to sin. And, and I believe there's a lot we can learn from Jesus about this very fact. How do we become angry but not sin in our anger? And so the first thing I want to share with you is that when, when we read about Jesus' story, his account of Jesus getting upset and angry, that Jesus was, be, Jesus was angry on behalf of those who were being mistreated. Like you'll, you'll notice through all four Gospels, Jesus didn't get angry about what people did to him. When people said things to him, when people attacked him, disagreed with him, mistreated and abused him, that's not what got Jesus angry. That's not what got him upset. What broke his heart was when other people were being mistreated. That's, that's what this story is about, Jesus flipping over the tables. He, he didn't get angry when people disagreed with him, violated his rights, or posted something he didn't like. He got angry when others were hurting, when others were being mistreated. Now, now, let me say this. It is very natural for us, if somebody does something to us, somebody harms us, somebody attacks us, slanders us, lies about us, mistreats you, like it is natural to get angry. Like we, we've all been there. Like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm there. When somebody mistreats you, and hurts you, it is natural to get angry. That is the natural response. But the good news is for us as believers in Christ is that we aren't bound by the natural world. We serve a supernatural God who invites us to do, He invites us to something that goes beyond what is just natural, what is just natural for us to do. When somebody hurts us, when somebody offends us, Scripture's crystal clear that as a follower of Jesus, we're called not to get revenge, not to lash out, not to hit back. Jesus said, I want you to bless those who curse you. I want you to forgive those that mistreat you. I want you to pray for those that use you. That was the example Jesus set. We talked about this a, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about forgiveness. And one of the ways that we can forgive others who have hurt us is by remembering ourselves how much we've been forgiven. Jesus has forgiven me of an awful lot, and it helps me to be able to extend an awful lot of grace to other people around me. And so if, if we're struggling to forgive, I need to ask God to heal my heart and, and to ask the Holy Spirit to help me forgive in the same way that I've been forgiven as well. Jesus, He got angry not when things were done to him, he got angry on behalf of others, people who were being mistreated. When you think about the, the money changers who were in the temple, the, the ones that Jesus chased out, 
the money changers, they were there to exchange currency. Like there, there was a temple currency. So when you came to, to give offerings and you lived in a far-off place, because remember what I was saying in, during the Passover feast, people came from all over the Roman Empire to come worship in Jerusalem. And so you couldn't pay at the, at the, at the temple with your foreign currency. And so the money changers, they would, they would exchange your money. But the trouble what they were doing is they, they were marking it up so much that it, they, they were totally taking advantage of people. Or you think about those that were selling doves. They were selling doves in the temple to offer as a sacrifice to God. And, and think, of, think of the doves as like going to a sporting event. Like I, I can go to Family Express and I can buy a large soda for 89 cents. You go to a Notre Dame football game, that same soda is going to cost you like eight bucks, right? I, and and that's, that's essentially what they were doing. You know, I, I read in one, commenta- one commentary that the doves were normally bought for maybe four pence, but in the temple they were being sold for 75. And so people who were coming to, coming to Jerusalem, they were coming to the temple to worship God, to pray, to offer sacrifices, to participate in, in, this, in this great ceremony, they were being ripped off. They were being taken advantage of. They were being taken to the cleaners by greedy, selfish men who were taking advantage of the poor, of the marginalized, of the foreign. And that's what it was that got ang- Jesus angry. That's what got him upset. It wasn't, it wasn't because somebody did something to him. He was angry because the marginalized, those who did not have resources to bring sacrifices to the temple were being taken advantage of. That's what it was that Jesus got angry about. So I I, I think about myself, the things I get angry about, how often am I getting angry because my toes are being stepped on? Because somebody did something to me, said something to me. Jesus' example is, he didn't get upset about those things. He got angry when others were being harmed, when others were being mistreated. I, I love what Pastor Albert Tate said, and this is point number two, that when Jesus got angry, he flipped tables, not people. I, I loved this. When Jesus got angry, he flipped tables, not people. He didn't flip people. He didn't flip people off. He didn't punch people out. He didn't cuss anybody out. When Jesus got angry, he flipped tables. Pastor Tate, he went on to say that when Jesus flipped, the the tables that were being flipped in many ways represented the system that supported the hypocrisy and the mistreatment. And it was on those tables that the misdealings were constantly done that were hurting others. Jesus flipped tables, not people. And, And when many of us, when we look back at some of the biggest regrets we have in our life, when we got angry, it was because we hurt or harmed somebody in our anger. We, we started flipping people and not flipping tables. Like how many of us, like we could go down a laundry list of things we've said, things we've done that have hurt and broken relationships because we set them out of anger. That wasn't Jesus' MO. He flipped tables and not people. Now, now we have to be wise we have to be careful about this because just because we feel strongly about something, it's easy for us to translate that into a, a righteous posture of saying, oh, because I feel strongly about this, 
well, then I must be right. I'm, I'm having a, a righteous anger. But it also, just because you feel strongly about something doesn't necessarily mean you feel you are right. There's lots of things in life where there is no clear-cut right and wrong, where people have taken a hard stance on something that they thought they were being righteously angry about, but there was no clear-cut right and wrong. And I'm going to give you an example from my life. Like, throughout the pandemic, like, I've had a number of people that have been angry with me over the course of this year. And I'm not telling you this, oh, poor Pat, you know, like, that, that's not it at all. Like, I mean, it's hard to believe, like, who could be angry with me? But, but there have been people that have gotten angry with me. Like, how dare you shut down church? You know, you're just caving to the liberal agenda and to the fear mongers, you know, who are trying to control you and stop the church from doing its mission. Like, there's plenty of people who have felt righteously angry about that. And then on the other side, there have been people, how could you possibly put lives in danger by reopening the church? Like, you're being reckless and putting people in harm's putting people in harm's way. Like, both sides feel righteously right about this. And I, I would argue there is no right or wrong with that. Like, there, how many times in life you're just trying to make the best decision with what's in front of you? And it's easy to say, all right, I feel strongly about this, so I must be right. But that's not always the case. The, the sad reality is that in our effort to be right, Oftentimes, we can forget to be loving. That we're so concerned about being right that we forget to be loving. Paul said that there's only three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, he said, is love. Like, let's make sure that, that in our anger, we don't convert to unrighteous anger that justifies our unloving behavior. Because our goal as Christians is not to just be right. Our goal as believers is to be loving, to be a true representation of who Jesus is. That's what we've been called to. Not to win the fight, not to win the argument, but to be loving. Jesus flipped tables. He didn't flip people. And the final point that I want to share with you is when Jesus got angry, He loved and healed those who were hurting. And that's why I love that final sentence, verse 14, that when Jesus got angry, He didn't just get angry, stomp His foot and make a point, so there. No, but what He did, the blind and the lame came to Him at the temple and He healed them. Like when you, when you think about the story, when we think about, if you can leave that up there, when you think about the story about Jesus being angry in the temple. It was the poor, it was the marginalized, it was the lame and the blind and the sick. It was the people who did not have resources. The people who couldn't pay the exorbitant fees. That's, that's who Jesus was angry on behalf of. And he didn't just get angry and flip tables, but he actually went out and he did something about it. He started to heal the sick and he helped the hurting in the middle of Jesus' righteous anger, it wasn't just a, a table-flipping moment. 
It almost sounds like a, a Christian cuss word. Like it wasn't just a, a table flipping moment, but it, it was also a, a people loving moment. It wasn't just a table flipping moment, it was a people loving moment. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. When, when he got angry, he brought hope and he brought help to those who were around him. Can that be said of us? When we get angry, are we bringing hope and help to those who are around us? Or are we damaging and hurting those who are around us? Jesus used his anger to make a difference. And I think that's a sign of righteous anger. Like, not only am I be fighting on behalf of somebody else, but I'm also willing to do something about it. Not just spout my mouth off, but I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and do something about it. Like it's easy to drop a Twitter bomb or a Facebook post blasting this political party or that political party. It's easy to go on a rant about this person or that person and then hide behind, oh, I'm just displaying righteous anger, <laughs> you know. I'm just following Jesus' example and I'm, I'm turning over tables. Let me be honest, you're just being a jerk. You know, like no, nobody's being convinced to your side, nobody's being won over by you acting that way towards other people who you've been, who you've been called to love. I'm not, I'm, I'm not pointing the finger, I'm talking to me too. Who we've been called to love. Who are we winning to our side by trying to make a point? Like when we get angry, can we get angry like Jesus? Like, am I angry on behalf of somebody else? I'm be on behalf of somebody else who's being mistreated. Asking myself, am I flipping tables or am I flipping people? And am I serving and helping those who are being hurt by injustice or am I just spouting out words? Let me tell you, like, asking those questions, it takes the Holy Spirit's help in order for us to do that. Not justifying our answer because it's the easy thing to do, but actually... Truly saying, all right, is this how, God, is this, is this how you want me to respond in this moment? Like when David asked in Psalm 139, he, he said, Lord, search me, know my anxious heart, test me, see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. The Holy Spirit, test my heart. Don't just tell me what I, want, what I think I want to hear. Am I responding right in this moment? I said before, our highest calling is not to be right. Our highest calling is to be loving. It's to magnify Jesus in every aspect of our life. And man, I, I tell you, like, when people watch us, I mean, Mallory, you were a good sport up here. Like, those of you, like, our kids watch us. Our spouse watch, your coworkers watch you. The world at large watches us. And what are we showing them? What am I showing them? Am I, am I being characterized by my anger towards other people I've been called to love? Or am I being characterized by my love for others? Like, that's what Jesus did. We're going to get angry in life. There's going to be times when it happens. But what's my response in that moment? 
Holy Spirit, am I, am, I, am I responding in the right way? Am I helping the hurting in that moment? Or am I causing more hurt by my anger? So I want to close just by praying for everything. Like, I'm, I'm praying for me. Like, I, I'm glad there's only two people in the room who were with me yesterday. Because if the rest of you all saw me yesterday, like, there were times I got angry yesterday, and I was not, I was not living this out, what I'm saying this morning. I'm just being real with you. I need the Holy Spirit's help in my life. Because I want to be a better man. I want to be a better follower of Christ. And I, and I trust that's what all, of, what all of us in this room want. So let me pray for all of us right now. And Father, we just love you and thank you, God. That you don't, your, your word says you don't treat us as our sins deserve, Lord. But God, that you are patient and faithful and loving towards us, Lord. God, I, I, I thank you for the example that you have set for, for all of us. Lord, how many times that we have lost it, that we've flown off the handle, that we've done things that we regret, and we did it in anger. Lord, you set an example for us. And I, and I pray, Lord, that for each of us, God, that you're going to help us. Holy Spirit, that you're going to speak to our hearts and speak into our lives. Lord, that, that those times when we are getting angry, are we getting angry on behalf of others instead of getting angry because our own toes are stepped on? Holy Spirit, are we flipping tables? Or are we flipping people? And are we willing to make a difference? Are we willing to let our anger cause us to make a difference? Or are we just trying to make a point? Lord, I pray for each of us, Lord, that, that you, have, you, you created us with these powerful emotions. And Lord, I pray that you're going to help each one of us, Lord. That when we do get angry, that we're not going to sin. But we're going to follow that example, Lord, that you set. The people are going to be healed in the middle of our anger. They're not going to be hurt from it. The people are going to be helped because of our anger, not be wounded. Lord, as a church, we're asking for your help. We're asking for your divine guidance and wisdom, that you'll help us to achieve some victory in this area of our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite all of you to stand.